after so many years, this is it. We finally reached the point in Elwood City Limits, the episodic Arthur podcast that I'm sure people have been waiting for us to officially start talking about for a very, very long time. And there is a lot to talk about on today's episode. But before we do that, Lucas, we've done quite a bit of talking about, you know, the glory days of Arthur. Um, we've done, we've, you know, talked about the most recent season very, very much in the past couple of weeks. Before you started watching today's episode that we're talking about, the first Flash animated episode of Arthur, what were your feet? Like, how did you feel? Like, what were, what were you feeling? Yeah. I, I'm I'm glad you asked. So I think we should establish, um, in case listeners don't remember when we've talked about this previously, uh, my familiarity with the Flash era of Arthur. Sure. Um, mine, and mine really, too. yeah. And I, I, I'll what what I will do, Lucas, is I will give you this little setup here. Um, so this is our. This, so we're not going to start talking about it yet, but we're getting into Arthur season sixteen. This aired from October twenty twelve. To May 2013. So, Lucas, go ahead. Your your experience with this era of Arthur. Yes. Yeah, so October 2012, I am in uh, grade. I'm beginning grade 12 of high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Arthur was far from my mind at this point. Right. So I was certainly not watching this as it aired. Um, up until. Uh, our conversation today, my only real reference point and experience with the Flash era has been some of the offer Arthur movies we've done commentaries for, yes. as well as I've seen out of context Arthur memes from this era. Yes. Um, the classics being uh, Binky putting on headphones and he gets like transported to like a psychedelic realm. <laughs> it's like a, a classic meme I've seen where uh, people have changed the song he's listening to. Um, Arthur, again, headphones related uh arthur wearing the headphones and his ears are sticking out and they're over the side of his head we were talking about that last week i believe that's from the flash era i think so and outside of that not much else so kind of the the standby uh aspects of the flash era the ones that everyone thinks about you know ladonna bud those types of things I have only experience with uh, from the movies. And in the movies, LaDonna and Bud are side characters that kind of show up. Ba- they're, they're barely characterized yeah. uh, in, in those movies. And so I, uh, or the specials rather, I guess they're not feature length. But um, so this was really a whole new world for me. Uh, getting into this, this was really uncharted waters. What about you, Will? Pretty much the same. I can't tell you exactly when like Arthur stopped being a part of my life. I'm pretty sure like in high school, maybe late junior high is when I just kind of moved on to different shows. And so October, 2012, you're in your final year of high school. I'm finishing university or, uh, no, I finished university. I'm going into the radio and television arts program. I'm in my first year. So what's, what's going to be very interesting, Lucas, as we continue this, is eventually we're gonna we're gonna reach the point where you and I will have met in real life, and eventually we'll get to episodes that aired during the run of this podcast. So um, I'm looking forward to marking that. That's gonna be very very interesting. Watch the um, Arthur writers have been making like references to us this whole time, and we've never <laughs> known. Maybe I mean I feel like we'd know by now, but really yeah. you know, you you really never know. 
Again, this is Elwood City Limits, the episodic Arthur podcast. My name's Will Young. My co-host is Lucas Mancini. We're starting Arthur season 16. Now, very quickly, I do want to get into this because there is a lot to talk about. We do want to acknowledge our wonderful patrons, patreon.com slash Elwood City Limits, who are, of course, hearing this episode a week early and also have access to our latest episode of ECL Origins talking about Yvonne of the Yukon, which, Lucas, I think you and I really enjoyed talking about that. <laughs> yeah, we maybe enjoyed talking about it even more than watching it, but <laughs> to hear exactly <laughs> what we think, you, you should go listen to the episode. Yeah, and so we have some people to thank, and those people include Emily Kay and Christine Wong, uh, Macy Ball, and people like Michaela Gibson, Peebs, former guest of the show Peebs, Matt and Andrew Power, Christine Lascody, who uh, uh, is going to be expecting very soon. So congratulations, Christine. Uh, Michelle Sprzynski and Ursula Katz. We want to thank Valeria, Mary Archambault, and Allison Archambault. And we'll also say thank you to Sydney Long. Still some names to go on this list here. Uh, many people that we are thankful for. So uh, looking forward to it. Patreon.com slash Elwood City Limits if you want to hear... Um, the newest, uh, the the episodes a week before they air, and also the newest exclusive podcast episodes like our one talking about Yvonne of the Yukon, which is very funny, if I may say so myself. There is an extended preview on the free feed if you haven't heard it yet. Arthur season 16. Lucas, there's a lot to talk about here. There's quite a bit to get through here. So season 16, October 2012 to May 2013. One of the first things that happens with the switch over to season 16 is that Arthur switches distribution and production houses to Nine Story Media Group. Now, this is due to its previous distributor, Cookie Jar Entertainment, fusing with DHX Media. So, if I may, here is a little sidebar about who the who these are and what this means. So, first of all, Cookie Jar Entertainment is... CNAR. Lucas, you, you'd probably be familiar with them as well. The uh, Arthur's original Canadian distributor. It's a company behind a lot of popular kids' television in North America, especially in the 1990s. So, Mona the Vampire, Are You Afraid of the Dark, Caillou, right. Zaboomafu, like all of these CNAR shows. The company I have a to, uh, yeah. I have a CNR production jacket. My Are You Afraid in the Dark uh, denim jacket was given to the CNR production crew, and it has a big old CNR logo on the back. That is so cool! Oh my god! <laughs> I see. I knew that you own that, but I just forgot. Oh, I'm jealous all over again. That's so cool. Um, the company went through a decade of financial scandals starting around the year 2000. I think we probably at least mentioned it when we got there in like season four or five of the podcast. So CNR sold to the former founder of Nelvana in 2004, and they rebranded to the Cookie Jar Group. While they were Cookie Jar, they also acquired Deke Entertainment in 2008. Deke is also, you know, you remember the logo from the end of some of those cartoons from the 90s? With the, yeah, with very the... funny stuff. Not <laughs> since, uh, not since. Hi, I'm Paul. Has there been such a memorable logo ending sequence as Deke? So, Cookie Jar Entertainment they fused with DHX Media, and believe it or not, Lucas, there's quite a bit of local content to this part here. So, DHX is the amalgam of two companies. The first one is Decode Entertainment out of Toronto, and they also had their hands in several productions that you and I would be familiar with, Lucas, such as The Zack Files, 
Radio Free Roscoe, Freaky Stories, Angela Anaconda, The Watership Down Cartoon, Undergrads, Weirdos, and more. So Decode, very much a part of our childhoods, I think. Yeah, definitely. So Decode fused with the Halifax Film Company, who is behind (laughs) such productions as This Hour Has 22 Minutes, Super Y, Poco, and more. And they together formed DHX. So Halifax, you know, you could argue that there's a lot of the bones of Halifax itself in Arthur. I mean, it's true. That's one of the reasons why we ended up talking about it is because we're uniquely uh, well-suited to discuss this stuff, being lifelong Canadians, for one, because Arthur, as it turns out, has a deeply Canadian connection in the production of the TV show. But who knew that it also had a uh, connection to our near and dear Halifax? Cookie Jar Entertainment, DHX Media, fused together. Um, I also want to note that uh, 2010, they acquired Wild Brain Entertainment, which is going to come back eventually in a bit of a different form. Wild Brain Entertainment at the time uh, was known as a production host for productions like Fern Gully 2, the direct-to-video sequel, if I remember correctly, uh, Yo Gabba Gabba, Kablam, and the cliffhanger segments of Between the Lions. DHX Media begins to take on a lot of different entertainment companies. In 2012, they officially acquire Cookie Jar, and Cookie Jar closes in 2014. In 2013, DHX acquires Ragdoll Worldwide, which is the studios of Teletubbies, Tots TV, and Booba. So we talked about Ragdoll in the For the Kids, a PBS Kids podcast episodes about that, too. They also acquired The Family Channel, which is a Canadian channel that, again, very familiar with. We've spoken about them before. Disney Junior and Disney XD from what was called Astral Media. And that was eventually acquired by Bell, which is a huge company over here in Canada. Actually, fun fact. Uh, I have technically worked for Astral Media before. I worked at a radio station that was owned by Astral Media, um, actually uh, not too far from where Arthur Season 16 is. 2014, they acquire Epitome Pictures, the producers of Degrassi, and they also purchase 117 titles from Echo Bridge Home Entertainment, including Beast Wars. Stay tuned on that one. 2015, this DHX cookie jar hybrid reaches an output deal with DreamWorks Animation for Canadian rights and distribution of animated programming. And again, this is all to say that this is a huge, huge group that's being put together here between Cookie Jar and DHX Media. And just and like a couple more I just added in here of just like this is crazy. 2016 distribution deal with Airbud Entertainment. Did you know that the Airbud movies and their <laughs> oh ilk goodness. have their own entertainment company? I didn't now, but now I do. My gosh, the buddies. <laughs> 2017 they acquire the entertainment division of Iconics, which includes a majority stake in Peanuts Worldwide. Peanuts right. as in Charlie Brown. Uh, they later sold part of that to cover its debt. They did have their hands in the Charlie Brown IP for quite a while. 2019, this conglomerate rebrands to Wild Brain Media. They appoint a new CEO, and there's a bunch of corporate reshuffling. And Wild Brain Media, as we've said before many, many times, like I've, I've, I've named off like five or six different companies that it owned, and those companies encompass smaller companies and hundreds of different titles. And Wild Brain just has them all right now. 
And and I've said this before many times. Wild Brain Media, their corporate office is in Halifax, Nova Scotia, where Lucas and I live. It's crazy to think about because when you lay it all light out like that, Will, it's almost like kind of what's been happening at a much larger scale in the States with things like Disney buying up Fox. And yes. Marvel and... Um, Star Wars and 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 how people everything's getting owned by the same monopoly media companies. It seems there's this consolidation and everything's just kind of merging into one one brand owns it all uh, down in the states. But this has been sne- sneakily happening with children's television in Canada, right in our own backyard. Um, and because you know these are still super hyper valuable properties. I mean, we're talking about the peanuts here. Yeah. But uh, because it's children's TV, uh, I feel like this hasn't uh, made as big of waves as the kind of similar uh, media buyouts have in the States. But when you lay it all out like that, it's like, wow, like basically kids media in Canada is all owned by this one company. Well, in North America, really, the last thing I have here is that last year, uh, Wild Brain acquired the distribution, production, and licensing rights to Jay Ward Entertainment, otherwise known as the studio behind Rocky and Bullwinkle. So, yeah, it, I really wanted to put that here because, of course, we're moving away from Cookie Jar, CNR, DHX, but they have continued on and done even better. They just don't have Arthur under their employee anymore so i also wanted to put this here i uh you know full disclosure speaking of peebs who is one of our patrons i uh, got a little bit of uh i i kind of cross-referenced some of my research with him and he did say so this change in production and distribution houses is likely coincidental uh to the switch in animation styles so you know that's that's again from peebs and there's not a whole lot of firm sources on this but i choose to trust peebs he's very well researched what we're dealing with now is that arthur moves to nine story media group which is a toronto based production and distribution company and it's known for animating shows like daniel tiger's neighborhood the wild kratz which both of which we talked about on our pbs kids patreon podcast um, they produced the Jacob Tutu animated cartoon, Max and Ruby, and then certain seasons of Caillou and Postcards from Buster. So they became the co-producer of Arthur back in 2011, actually, a couple of years before this. And they're going to produce the series from 2016 all the way to 2019, so almost to the end of Arthur's run on TV. Recently, they've worked on projects like Blue's Clues and You, which is the new iteration of Blue's Clues, Xavier Riddle and the Secret Museum, which is another PBS Kids show, the newer edition of Clifford the Big Red Dog, The Magic School Bus Rides Again, and more. Now, we are going to, we're going to be talking about this a lot more, but you can kind of see, I think, Lucas, if you're familiar with the way that some of those shows that I listed off kind of look. So your Wild Kratz, Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood, even if you've seen like The Magic School Bus Rides Again, there's a very certain look to yeah. children's television that Arthur is going to be getting into. They aren't all completely the same, but they are animated in similar ways. And this is what we're talking about. So Arthur in season 16 begins to be animated using Adobe Flash, which is likely a cost-cutting measure. The previous seasons, as we've likely mentioned before, were animated in Canada as well as in South Korea and Hong Kong, first with Acom Production Company and then with Animation Services HK. So this is now they have brought the animation in-house using Flash. Uh, Again, this is likely coincidental with the distribution house switch. It just kind of 
happened to occur at the same time. The new style was probably already a done deal before Cookie Jar was brought out. Uh, I won't get into the, our opinions on it yet. I'm, I've saved a little pocket in the actual episode description for it right now. But this is what Arthur is going to look like until its very end. And even though we will be assumedly switching production companies around the 2019 mark, it's not really going to look all that much different. And it seems to be, from what I can understand from animation trends at the time, and just from common sense, it was all. It all came down. It all came down to money, um, and traditional animation. It it can it can be seen as costly by yeah. um, certain studio heads or corporate executives or what have you. So doing something on a program like Flash is much cheaper, and as we will talk about, you kind of get what you pay for, depending on. Well, no, okay, I don't want to say that, but there's a certain. There's a certain peak of quality to there's a certain cap of quality on a lot of flash cartoons, especially ones made nowadays, uh, especially in the style that Arthur is. Um, there's also another switch here that we can talk a little bit about the switch to 16 by nine, the ra- the aspect ratio. So previously, uh, the show switched to 1080i HD back in season 14, which is why the last couple of Arthur seasons have s- to me, it looked a bit more glossy. They've, um, you know, the traditional animated seasons have a little bit of a, um, like a, a bit of a worn, worn look. We've, I think maybe Lucas, you've sometimes referred to it as storybook. And then the last couple of seasons have been a bit brighter in terms of their yes. coloring. So that's from partially the switch to a new aspect ratio. Now, this is interesting. This is another thing that Peeps told me. PBS still airs Arthur cropped into 4-3. So the switch is to 16 by 9, but PBS itself, if you watch it on TV, it's still in the original um, aspect ratio. The territories outside of the United States air the widescreen version of Arthur, and if you watch these newer episodes online, of course, you can see it widescreen, or 16 by 9. But I guess if you're watching PBS in America, you still see it the same way that you would season 1 or something like that. This has led to necessary changes in the presentation, including the reanimation of the intro sequence and the adding of new elements in the sequence for uncropped shots. So this is something that I remember seeing when I probably after we started the podcast and I was like, what does Arthur look like these days? And so you can tell from all the times watching the Arthur intro, um, there's stuff in there that wasn't there before. So like in that part in the intro where... It's like the Reed family photo and mom and Arthur hug. Usually in the older episodes, it's very tight on them. And then you kind of see dad's arm and like baby Kate's legs next to them. So now the image is bigger. So they have to fully animate Kate. And she just doesn't look the same as the other characters. I don't know if you clocked that sort of thing. No, no, I didn't even notice that. I did notice, you know, it's funny because this intro doesn't look like how the rest of the episode looks and we'll get into what the rest of the episode looks like in a moment but i can tell this intro um almost looks you know traced over the original like you said there's those differences where the aspect ratio has changed so some of the sequences are more zoomed out there's more um background where there wouldn't normally be but in terms of what is portrayed it's the same as it's been since season one in terms of okay we have 
you know, the Arthur opening the book and then yeah. the sequence of the the photos and, you know, Mr. Rapper doing the backstroke. Um, it's all here. It just looks a little bit more digital and like yeah. you said, a little more vibrant. Right. And the since the aspect ratio has changed, so now they have to do like new shot depths in various shots. Mm, uh, there's yeah. a lot less camera movement. And you notice that when you compare them. So like the shot, the shots where Arthur and Buster are in the pool and then Brain thinks that Mr. Ratburn is a shark. In the original, the camera has to pan back and forth to get everybody's reaction shots. But in this one, everybody's in the frame at the same time. Wow. So you can see the full picture. Um, there's also like, obviously some, a lot of characters have been kind of up in terms of just, uh, having to fully animate them in this new style, but we will get into that a little bit more in just a bit. Okay. Last thing, last kind of behind the scenes thing is new voice actors on the show. So along with the switch in animation styles and the switch in production houses, we also have quite a few new voice actors and a couple that we would recognize as well. So first of all, um, goodbye to Dallas Joe kick. Uh, friend of the show, uh, in is Drew Adkins as the voice of Arthur, who uh, one of his bigger credits is a character on the newer Babar series. Uh, as DW, Jake Beal, who, Lucas, we will recognize in two ways. First, Jake Beal was previously the voice of James in uh, the past couple of seasons of Arthur. He was also the first voice of Daniel Tiger in Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood. Great, uh, you know, stand in little kid voice. And, you know, watching this episode, every season, I think it takes a little bit to get used to the new Arthur voice. Um, but the new GW voice, I think, works immediately from the jump. Mm-hmm. Uh, other voice actors uh, now playing the brain. We have CMU. We have now playing Catherine is Robin Thaler. We'll presumably see Catherine in another episode. Um, they recast Timmy with an actor named Jacob Iwanyuk who is in The Cat in the Cat in the Hat knows a lot about that, and PJ Masks. And of course, with our new characters, you need new voice actors. So playing the role of LaDonna is Crystal Meadows, uh, who's in a television show called Squish. And I think most notably of all of these, no disrespect, but somebody that I knew well before this, uh, playing the role of Bud is Julie Lemieux, who is a veteran Canadian voice actor, uh, among other things, Lucas, Julie Lemieux was the voice of Rupert on the Rupert cartoon and the voice of the main character Warren on Monster by Mistake, which if you listen to Bud's voice, you hear both of those. Like, <laughs> she's a very distinct vocal signature. We're going to have to talk about Monster by Mistake on <sighs> uh, ECL Origins, Will. We're going to have to. That's for no. another time, though. No, we don't. I, o- I own the show. <laughs> we don't have to. The show's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so what I'm going to do right now, actually, is I'm going to put the I'm going to put the episode break right here. So if you're listening on the free feed, we'll be right back after this. Hi, everybody. It's Lucas, your favorite co-host from Elwood City Limits. Um, I want to remind you folks that if you like listening to the podcast, first and foremost, the best way to spread the love is to tell a friend who is interested in Arthur or podcasts or animation or hearing about Nova Scotia for some reason. But there's some other things you could do as well. For instance, you can follow us on social media. Twitter is at ECL Podcast. The Instagram is at Elwood City Limits. My pet project, the Twitch channel, which we do live streams on sometimes, twitch.tv slash Elwood City Limits Pod. And we also have a Facebook and Tumblr as well. 
You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube.com slash Elwood City Limits. That's where Will has been diligently uploading all of the episodes if they're not on your podcast listening service of choice. If they aren't on one of those services, let us know. You can reach out to us on social media or via email at elwoodcitylimits at gmail.com. Finally, the Patreon is where you can find all of our paywall content, patreon.com slash elwoodcitylimits. This gives you access to the Discord, where we have a bustling community, as well as some exclusive videos, audio bonuses, such as commentary for the various Arthur movies and more, as well as some of our additional podcasts for the kids, is where me and Will uh, cover all the PBS shows that aren't Arthur, as well as ECL Origins, where we really talk about any show from our childhood that we want. Uh, And most importantly, you get early access to every episode of ECL. You get to flex on your friends that you're getting it a week early. You can join for as little as a dollar a month at patreon.com slash Elwood City Limits. And now back to the show. The episode we're talking about is called Based on a True Story. So the new intro, Lucas, we've talked about the technical aspects of it. But I want to kind of get a feeling for this from you. I'll say I like it. I actually really like the way the new intro looks. The colors really pop. I mean, it's true to the original in that it literally is basically just redoing, like, the whole thing, minus a couple of necessary changes with the aspect ratio, just in a in the new house style. Uh, or I should say not in the house style, but just kind of, I'm I'm guessing they probably, like, maybe traced over this in Flash. I'm not 100% certain. Um, And so everything feels a little bit slower in terms of, because as I said before, there's a lot less camera panning around, which gave the original a little bit of speed, but now you see everything. And uh, so it feels a bit slower, but it's very easy to get used to. I'll just say, I think the new intro looks really good. See, I agree, Will. I like the way the new intro looks. And I think it makes a good measuring stick Mm -hmm. for how contemporary animation, if there is a will, does not necessarily have to look crappy uh, if you have the will to do so. Because, you know, the fact that the new intro is is totally digital, uh, all traditional animation techniques have been swept away, you know, in the early seasons of Arthur, we were using hand-painted backgrounds, and in some cases, hand-painted cells over hand-painted backgrounds, you know, the way animation used to be done. Yes. Um, and that's been completely done away with. There's not a, a, a single frame of hand-painted artwork in that new intro, and it still looks good. Yes. So, it begs the question, because can the rest of the show look good as well in this digital era? And we will get to that very, very soon. The first thing I just want to get into is the cold open here, which is Arthur in essentially like a blank void. And right away, we are introduced to the new character, LaDonna Compson. And the whole idea of this cold open is they do a pinky bet, which, okay, it's, where I come from, it's a pinky swear, and it's more of a promise than a bet, but whatever. So... LaDonna wants to be the one to do the cold open, but Arthur, of course, is defensive of this. And so they make a pinky bet. Arthur says that there will be no dinosaurs in the show, while LaDonna says, of course there will, 
with the winner of the pinky bet concluding the show. We don't find out a lot about LaDonna here as a character. We see her design front and center. Uh, we do know that she has a pet rat named General Higgins, and that's and that's about it. I, I mean, really, Lucas... <laughs> I mean, Lucas, if you've seen Arthur before, you know very well dinosaurs show up in this show all the time. Like, I don't know why Arthur would make that bet. It's true. Ever since the thesaurus, there's been dinosaurs Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. all around Arthur. I'll also highlight this. You know, we might have some new listeners, Will, for this new era. Uh, And General Higgins is a great opportunity to point out that the uh, confusion surrounding the animal hierarchy in Arthur... (laughs) is alive and well. Mm. Why is General Higgins not sentient and afforded the same rights as Mr. Ratburn? For he is also a rat. They refer to him as such all the time. He teaches their class. He, you know, has a gay marriage. Yet (laughs) he gets to drive a car and have a husband and wear clothes. General Higgins has to be a pet on LaDonna's shoulder. Why is this? We may never know, Will. Maybe it'll be answered in these later seasons. I doubt it. No, so do I. Uh, there's There's another instance of this a little bit deeper into the show that I do want to point out. But thank you. That's a very that's a very good point. And so this Lucas right away like this is this is a good minute and a half two minutes of the arthur cole open and so i think that you and i have seen enough and of course we've seen the entire episode as well let's talk about this now and then we can kind of move on the new animation the flash animation so what i did is i got some pros and i got some cons so i would like to start with the pros and then i will ask you for yours and then we can talk about the cons so Something I mentioned about the opening is that the colors are very bright. And I will say, it, it it does seem significantly brighter animated on Flash. And I think that's I think that's really good. It's very pleasing to look at from from that from that angle. The other pro that I have is that in a static environment, the character designs in Flash look good. Like these, like if you're looking at them in a still. I think these character designs still look good for the most part. Um, And, you know, there's a lot of very heavy ink lines. Like, again, it does remind me of the Jacob Tutu cartoon show in some of the ways, especially like uh, the way LaDonna looks, the LaDonna and Bud. Um, But but yeah, so those it's like, again, the colors and the character designs themselves, I think, translated pretty well to the new software. What about you? Is there anything um, positive that you liked about the new animation? I actually, I think you make a good point in that sometimes shows have, other shows have done this around the same time where they used to be animated traditionally and they transferred into Flash. Uh, And because of the way Flash works and how you are manipulating a character more like a puppet, um, you know, think South Park or something. Yeah. um, The character designs uh, end up not translating well, even in static imagery. Like you have to kind of significantly redraw the characters to be able to move them in a way that looks like it makes sense in Flash. Um, And you're right that this hasn't happened with Arthur. Um, The original designs were just kind of simple enough, um, but also detailed enough that they work in this way, and you are right that it does look good in stills. And and you're right, the colors are also brighter. Um, I will say that, though, a part of me, listen, not to get into the negative, but a part of me also longs for the more painterly look sure. of the original show. But uh, I, I think it does look vibrant, like a cartoon should. 
well, and especially in up resing to like a new aspect ratio and into like um, HD and all that kind of stuff, it does help to have the colors be brighter to show up better on, on, on television and computer screens. Okay, so I, I don't want to be superlative here. I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, become the angry reviewer here or something. And I'm not mm-hmm, going to, mm-hmm. I'm not going, not going to. I don't think either of us, you know, want to do that. But I have to be honest here, and this is something that I think we've been open about since we've done the more recent Arthur commentaries. First off, I don't like the way the characters move. I think they're so mm. stiff. Lucas, once I think one time you compared them to like paper dolls. And, yes. And you, and you also talked about like the kind of marionetting of them in the Flash animation. And man, you can tell. Like you can you you can really tell that fluidity has been lost here, and not just in the way they move. But also in the way that the characters emote to each other. I, and that really stuck out to me watching it in full this time. It has kind of the same effect as like if you watch newer episodes of something like Family Guy and you see how the characters talk to each other and they have a very like if, essentially they have a very static face. And then if they need to emote, they will switch to it. But the way in which Arthur itself does it, the characters, you really they almost have to like change a scene in order for them to move to a new emotion and it just doesn't come across it doesn't come across as natural as it does on paper or even just like traditionally animated it seems a lot more hollow like these don't feel these the these particular the flash style does, makes it feel less lived in they feel less real yes yes I, um, you know, I, I don't want to, I think this is a good opportunity to talk about this and get this off our chest because I don't want to have to bug you, dear listeners, by bringing this up for the rest of the season. So yeah, I'll say my right. piece now. Sure. Um, not to even pick on Arthur too much. I think this is indicative of a larger problem with animation as a whole because, Will, I'm a lifelong fan of animation. I love yeah. animation. Mm-hmm. I, I, I love anime. I love animated movies. I love traditional animation. And I think it is, in a way, becoming a little bit of a lost art, especially in television animation. There's, there's in a post-Family Guy world, in a post-Netflix world, if there is a new animated television show, with a few exceptions, you know, Amazing World of Gumball, for instance, um, which is in part animated with Flash, by the way, but yes. with a few exceptions, almost every animated show these days is going to look some version of this. It's going to have that paper doll look. It's going to have, you know, the character models that are the copy-paste character models that they're going to place in the scene. And they're going to, as you said, they're, they're, they have stock animated moves that they do. Or they're going to be animated with the concept of called motion tweens. If, if anybody knows anything about Flash animation, a yeah. motion tween is when you start a, uh, an animated subject in one place. Uh, and then you basically can tell the computer it needs to end up in this place. And it will animate everything in between for you. I'm, I'm putting air quotes now. You can't hear me, see me do this. <laughs> but I'm putting air quotes around animate. Because you you hit the nail on the head, Will. There is a soul that is lost. Not to be dramatic. But it's true. Like, as a true lover of animation, I think it is an art form that is, when done properly, soulful. Uh, it's reflective of life. It, it's it's It's... You know, one of my favorite things, and that's why I could be so hypercritical if you're sitting here listening at home thinking, well, I don't think it's that bad. It's just Arthur still. To me, um, part of why I liked Arthur in the beginning was the look of it. 
Like, we've always loved the writing, and I think it's the writing that really elevates it above its contemporaries and peers, especially shows aimed at such a young, uh, young audience. But one of the reasons that it was an easy thing to go back to and watch as an adult is that it looked so good because yeah. animation used to animation used to look so good in general. Um, and nowadays it looks and it's you know almost to no fault of its own because everything looks this way now. Uh, it looks like everything else, which is to say, in my opinion kind of bad to very bad well yeah yes and and that's and that's another thing going against it is that arthur has like not only did arthur start as a traditionally animated show it started like 20 years before this as animated by hand primarily um you know the last couple of seasons there's been you know a little bit of digital help and all that assistance and all that kind of thing but still using like an illustration program it's like you have something to refer to like i like i was watching Again, this is a this is a uh, this is a stereotype that I fall into or a trope of of me. But it's just like you know, you go back to like Arthur season one, and yes, you can definitely see the seams in that animation if you look for them in much the way that you can with a lot of older cartoons. But they're so they can be so expressive, they can be so mm. uh, wild. There can be a lot of wild takes, and this feels like it takes a lot of that room for interpretation out of it. It's interesting that these days we are having a lot of conversations about like AI making art. And, you know, what what do you lose when you what like what do you lose from a piece of illustration when you have a computer make a simulacra from, you know, a bunch of different pictures? And you mentioned how, you know, with the process of motion tweening, you're telling the computer where to take a model. And it's like, obviously, you're still making the illustrations yourself in Flash. And a lot of hard work is going into this. And I don't want to minimize this, is even though we're being critical, uh, certainly a lot of animators are working very hard to to make this still feel like Arthur. And mm-hmm. and so I don't want to minimize their work at all or, or, or feel like I'm casting blame on them either. It's like, I think, again... A lot of these designs look very good. It's just by the nature of putting it into a program like Flash that is at least somewhat um, computer-based, and you kind of have the computer take it from one to another. You can tell that it's it's not the same. And of course, if you're if you're younger watching Arthur, I know that we've had some emails before where people are like, "I noticed when the animation style changed when I was a kid." But if you start watching Arthur in this season, like it probably doesn't really feel any yeah. different from the other shows you were watching. So it is important to put it in that context of Lucas and I are Arthur old heads very much. So we remember <laughs> what it, what it was like and we of course remember that very fondly because it was part of our childhoods. That may be a different story for you. And it, you actually may prefer this style and that's totally okay. It's, it's based on what you grew up with and what you kind of glommed onto with Arthur. Uh, but yeah, I, I agree with a lot of what you say, Lucas. And I have, I have two other very minute complaints that are just kind of my own gripes. Um, I've said this before. You can see this in like publicity stills for the show and there's a part, there's a shot at the very end of the episode where Arthur's waving. For some reason, Arthur, they misalign Arthur's eyes all the time. So, like, they're <laughs> on two different planes. It looks really bad. It's like a, it's a really weird, it feels like an amateur mistake to make. And yet, like, if you look at the official poster for The Rhythm and Roots of Arthur, one of their most recent hour-long specials, his eyes are misaligned in that. And again, it's like, okay, this feels even less real because, you know, like, I don't know. I just, it really drives me nuts when I see that. The other thing is that just 
for me, like I take screen caps of the episode to put on our social media. And I found in this episode, and I hope that this changes, that because a lot of the characters look the way they look, there was kind of not as many screen caps to take because there wasn't as much that I found terribly interesting on screen. A lot of our, a lot of my favorite screen caps are like when a character does like a wild expression or when there's like a, or when there's like an animation mistake or something like even sometimes the mistakes can be charming and a lot of the edges of traditional animation have been sanded off with this. So all that say, like it is what it is like Arthur, like we're going to go forward from here but I, all, I, I think it was important for us to finally, this is where we can address how yeah. we feel about this. And I would say that for both of us, it trends towards negative. But I will say it's going to take some getting used to. And I do wonder if, you know, when we get further into maybe this season or into a couple of seasons, if it will start to feel a little bit more um, natural. If it'll start yeah. to, if, if, or if, we'll, if it'll just start to bug us less, maybe. I wonder, too, because there's a lot of firsts in this episode. Not only are they debuting this new animation style, but they're also debuting these two new characters. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of a real shock to our systems as the Arthur guys to have to deal with so much new so quickly. So it'll be interesting to see a more traditional Arthur episode animated in this style. The last thing I want to say about The Flash is that it's not a problem inherent to Flash animation in itself. For instance, like I said earlier, Amazing World of Gumball uses flash animation it also uses lots of other animation Abs- techniques absolutely including traditional animation but that show looks fantastic i think it's the gold standard for how a kid's tv show can look um but also a friend of the show cookerzilla josh owen uh, uh a local artist here yeah. who has just launched his patreon by the way he creates his work in flash and he uses his flash and so he's a lot smarter when it comes to this stuff than me but something he often talks about is that it's not the tool that makes the shows look this way right it's you know the economics of tv animation that makes the show look this way the reason every netflix adult cartoon looks the way it does is because it's the cheapest way to produce a sitcom basically is to animate it like fake family guy and have it look terrible right Mm -hmm. and so maybe if it's yeah it's no fault of the animators themselves they're the persons they're in a situation where uh their bosses say jump and they say how high and that's why arthur looks the way it does and perhaps if time and money were of no object um we could see a whole arthur show look the way the opening of this episode looks like which Mm -hmm. i would have zero complaints about um but alas that is a fantasy world we live in our capitalist society and so the arthur season 16 episode one looks the way it does and the answer and the answer is always capitalism so, but Lucas, I think that's a very that's a very good reminder. And uh, thank, and of course, I I trust uh, Cookerzilla's. I trust Josh's uh, input on animation, and I think that's really well put. So, that's those are our feelings on the new animation style. Well, you know, we've said our piece now. I feel like, as Lucas said, we don't need to keep relitigating it time and time again. So we'll just kind of take it as a given. If something comes up that's like especially like wildly bad or really good we'll probably make note of it here as we always have like i i didn't think the last couple of seasons of arthur looked all that great um and i've said as much but we got used to it and it'll probably be the same with these ones so this is where we are now and let's uh let's keep on going so this episode is all about 
LaDonna and her brother Bud, her younger brother Bud, moving to Elwood City. They're four houses down from Arthur. And so they actually said it out loud, but uh, I was trying to do the math. Uh, 16-hour drive from – so we've said before – Oh, interesting. El- El- Elwood City Limits meant to be in, like, the Pennsylvania area. So before LaDonna said she was from Louisiana, I did a little bit of Google foo and found out that, you know, there's a couple of southern states that she could have been coming from. So Mississippi, um, Florida. Uh, what was the other one? There was one more that was, oh, uh, Alabama are like 16 and a half hours away from Pennsylvania, but they are from Louisiana. Now, I think as we go along, and this is something we've gotten a lot of. People want to know our thoughts on LaDonna, and we don't have to give them right right away, right, right away. But I will say, both LaDonna and her brother Bud have distinct accents, meant to be Cajun, I, I suppose. Like so, Gambit, Will. Like Gambit. <laughs> oh, mon ami. Um, <laughs> so for some reason, I think LaDonna's accent is okay, which is good because she's the main character. I've said this in commentaries, and you can check the commentaries. That I think they should all be on the free feed now. I can't stand listening to Bud, and I yeah. <laughs> it really colors my opinion of that character. And I, again, I don't want to be mean here, but so Julie Lemieux, his new voice, his voice actor. Um, I think Julie Lemieux is really good, like in a lot of her credits, and I respect the hell out of the fact that she's been working since I was a kid. I love her voice of Rupert. That's like the that's the definitive voice of Rupert for any time I see him. I just think of that voice. I will say though, um, one of the reasons that I don't like Monster by Mistake is because I really don't like the main character's voice, and it's a bit more Bud's voice is a bit more on the Warren side than it is on the Rupert side, except. It's like Warren, but if he had a dumb accent. So I, I think it's not. No offense to no offense, to listeners from Louisiana. I don't think that Louisiana is dumb. Well, I just think it so, makes him sound a little. Um, no, no, no. Less, no, no. Yeah. You're, I, I just you're, you're making a silly. great point, and I sense the exact same thing, Will. And it's it's not they do the kind good folks of Louisiana a great disservice I think with this characterization <laughs> because it's not just Bud's delivery it's the right the way Bud is written in this episode I gotta say it's like a caricature of like some sort of dare I say southern yokel like yeah he's He's like earnest, man. Like he's like he is. Though. He's even he's even oh. got that. He's even got the Sorry, hat. Like, I unplugged my headphones. I was so passionate. <laughs> he's Sorry, even got the hat. Though. He, like oh oh, Lucas. What if his what if his dinosaur was named Vern? Why couldn't his dinosaur what? be named Vern? That's like the thing though. Like it, I was getting pure earnest, and like the way he talks <laughs> and the way he he's written to be. It's I think the problem is less the accent because Ladonna is written. To be semi-intelligent, Bud, <laughs> and, and, and think about Bud's peers, right? Like you can't be like, oh well, Bud's of course Bud's less smart. He's a little kid. D.W. is written to be wise beyond her years. Like yes, she's petulant. We've been over this, but she's surprisingly well spoken. That's part of the comedy of D.W. is that she has these kind of like she's got a great vocabulary and she says these like very adult phrases. Um, and it's it's one of the reasons why she's funny. So to have Bud contrasted against D.W., he just comes off as like this dummy. 
Um, and yeah, it makes it makes me feel bad for the people of Louisiana because it's like a negative stereotype of like I'm Bud from the country. Like that's how he talks. Well, and it's also not really it's not really Cajun. Like they're from they're coming from Louisiana, but it really like I was expecting them to be from like Alabama or something. It really sounds more like something you would hear in like Georgia yeah. or like down in the southern states. Um, I mean, Louisiana is still the South. Like, not everybody from true. Louisiana is Cajun. It's right next to Houston and that, Mississippi. So so people could just sound like the South there. We're just big Gambit fans over here at Owen <laughs> City Limits. <laughs> Sounds like Sinister and Apocalypse uh, running the same side <laughs> of the streets. Uh, <laughs> um, and and, and it, also, it also, it doesn't help LaDonna that a lot of her, like, not only does she speak in a southern accent, but she's also like, well, that just take the, the, the I don't know, that would take the needles off a porcupine, you know, yeah, real she speak, southern aphorisms. Yeah, like folksy colloquialisms. It's, yeah. It's, and also to learn <laughs> that, the you know, maybe get a voice actor that could do this accent a little bit better or perhaps, you know, is of this accent. I mean, voice actors have to do funny accents all the time. Um, but it came as no surprise to me that the uh, woman voicing LaDonna, uh, who is, again, a consummate professional of the animation uh, voice acting industry, uh, is not actually uh, from Louisiana. Because it doesn't sound no. like someone who's actually from Louisiana. None of it does. They sound like people putting on a funny accent. And I was like, I can't believe we get a lot of LaDonna and Bud in this episode. And so, again, it's one of those things that I think we're going to get used to over time. Or is way less apparent in an episode where they're just one of the gang. Here's here's what's Brain doing. And then here's Francine. And now let's what, what's LaDonna and Bud up to? But when it's all LaDonna and Bud all the time, I'm like, oh, man, this is what we got to listen to this whole episode. Okay. Well, and as Canadians, it's a part of our heritage because they are hiring voice actors from the Toronto and Quebec uh, um, area. So... If if you got a production in Canada, you're hiring Canadian people to just be from everywhere, and that's you know the power of acting. So it's a part of our heritage. Uh, I did want to note, uh, Ladonna also has, as far as we see, uh, she has a mom, an older sister, and an older brother who appears in like a cutaway, who's since moved away from the family. But it's primarily Ladonna and Bud. So the main thing for Ladonna is that she, you know, she meets Arthur. NDW and kind of makes friends with him and she has a penchant so her character her initial character trait is that she tells stories a lot she goes off on like yarns and the these stories make her initially popular with the crew um I will okay there's no other place to bring this up I do want to say you mentioned this earlier Lucas about DW's voice I'll just say from the new voices we heard I like them like they all sounded good they all sounded yeah, like agree. their characters should sound. I don't have any notes either way. Um, I do think this is kind of a bad introduction for a new character. So right away, and so, again, I'm taking into account the fact that, like, some of our patrons and some of our listeners have been very much like, oh, can't wait to hear what you... Th- Why am I characterizing them like that? They're not They're not creepy. Sorry. They're, they're, they are genuinely interested in, like, what do you... Like, I'm curious what you think of LaDonna. I found her very annoying. I don't like her. So a couple of marks against her, I think, if you're just a typical person watching Arthur. Uh, right away, she's on equal footing with Arthur in the like very opening seconds of the show. She's doing the cold open along with him. 
And I can see people, I can see that not going well in terms of trying to, like, kind of pushing her a little too hard at first. Um, also, having a main personality trait be that she talks a lot. And that, you know, even after she, you know, she, Arthur and DW come to visit them with, like, a housewarming gift. And then she, like, kind of talks their ear off. And later on, Bud's, Bud's like, you know, it's like, you scared him away by telling stories, didn't you? <laughs> and um it's it's just uh and it's just like okay so then her main trait is that she's annoying like they don't they don't spin it that way but i was like that's a weird place to begin with this character yes. so we're we're we're, yeah. we're in lockstep will my first note is <laughs> uh introducing ladonna with this new art style is a lot at the same time also introducing ladonna by taking away the intro of the show from arthur who is the beloved main character. It's the guy <laughs> the show's named after. I were, you know, I would characterize me and you as Arthur fans, and I'm like, who the heck is this new person talking over Arthur? Mm. Uh, it's just not a good way to make a first impression, in my opinion. Well, and uh, well, if you, and if you, if you go to our YouTube channel, YouTube.com/slash/ElwoodCityLimits, you can find where we ranked Arthur in our character tier. Uh, but we do we we are both still fans of Arthur, despite what that tear says. Yeah, um, but it, it feels like the way they introduce her, and I think that this is doing her a disservice because I bet once she's just part of the main ensemble cast, it's it's much more normal. Um, but having her kind of take the reins away from Arthur, it's got Poochie vibes. Will it was giving me yeah Poochie vibes of like mm. we it's a new look, new season. We're gonna have some wacky new characters from the south. Uh, to, and and they're going to be wacky and new, um, and they're fast talking. And Arthur's boring. Look at this new character. And I I was displeased. Well, and the other problem is that like I'm all for introducing a new character, but a lot of times characters are introduced on this show and then they don't go anywhere. Like remember WD? I thought WD was going to be a big part of the show, and we only saw her the one time. And so it's it's there has to be an in between between shows up and is never spoken of again, or shows up and is pushed to the moon. Uh, like, they're, they're giving LaDonna the Roman Reigns push here of just like, yeah, she's as good as Arthur. I'm like, okay, wait, hold on. We just met. Like, who are you? And it's it. I can see why this is a little much. I tried not to hold it against LaDonna as a character, but it was a lot to expect uh, to introduce. And, I'm like, again, I'm all for, especially a new girl character and one that has, like, a bit of a different backstory like I think that's really good but it's the way in which they did it that I think is a little bit of a couple of missteps uh I wanted to note here one of the one of the stories that LaDonna starts telling to everybody that everybody all the kids kind of get enraptured by is when her family because she says her family doesn't own a tv to which Buster nearly chokes on his food um they used to but then they gave it to an alligator sanctuary and one of the alligators there named Penny really likes soap operas. And there's this whole thing of like, uh, it's, it's not that interesting. We've definitely seen like alligator children or alligator people in this show. Yes. Again, to go, along with, to go along with the rat thing. It's like, yeah, animal hierarchy. Like I'm pretty sure alligators can be people in Arthur. This one just isn't. It's just an alligator, an alligator ass alligator. Um, so, the conflict here comes when so Ladonna's stories ingratiate her to everybody, but eventually she runs out of stories to tell. the The thing that she says so, but Bud is like, is like, what? Ha- <laughs> I, 
I have to restrain myself from like doing a bad take on the butt accent because it's not like I don't want to grind the show to a halt every time I do it, but it is it's really tempting. So I will I'll refrain. Um, Bud says, what happens when you run out of stories to tell? And LaDonna says, well, that'd be like the Atlantic Ocean drying up. That's never going to happen. And that will they will use that in a, in a couple minutes. So she actually does run out of stories to tell. And she's anxious that when she doesn't have any more stories, she will lose her friends. So she ends up making new stories. Um, she, say, she says earlier, she comments that she doesn't know who Dark Bunny is because she doesn't have a TV. And when Arthur and Buster are talking about Bionic Bunny, she obviously doesn't know. She doesn't have, she doesn't watch that. Did you catch that apparently on the episode of Bionic Bunny last night, they revealed that his real name is Sue? <laughs> I didn't catch that. Like the, is that a Johnny Cash song? The boy named Sue? I mean, the the bunny named Sue, I guess, is is what it would be in the in this universe. There is a visual representation that they do. This is a really quick cutaway uh, of the visual representation of the Atlantic Ocean drying up. It's literally a shot of the Atlantic Ocean. I think it was from like, you know, New York, like around where the Statue of Liberty is. A giant hand reaches into the ocean and pulls the plug, and the ocean goes down the drain. And that's to represent LaDonna running out of stories. I kind of like that. I thought that was kind of clever. Yep, that's classic, you know, Arthur season one uh, crazy imagination sequences. Um, it was very, it, it was short, though. So LaDonna makes up some new stories, but she tries to tell one, and the kids catch on and... They realize they catch her in the lie, and then they think that she's been lying the whole time. I gotta say, this particular, um, like this, I thought this was going to go on a little bit longer. They catch her in the lie, like immediately. The first story she tries to tell, they're like, wait a minute, this is you're contradicting yourself here. And that, but if that happened, how did that happen? Wait, have you been lying this whole time? And I'm like, whoa, what, like, are we on fast forward or something? Listen, we have a complete cast of detectives at this point. I think every second kid in the Arthur crew is now a private eye on the side. And so um, it's a hard crowd to get some lies past. This is a really good point. And now a word from us kids. And now a word from us kids. Lucas, this is a classic word from us kids segment. It like, if anything, and I don't mean to tip my hat here, nor do I, I'm not trying to be mean here. This is one of my favorite parts of this episode because this is like the word from us kids that you watched when you were a kid. We've got everything in here. Um, the anim- So it's all about they're asking the kids midway through the episode, what should LaDonna do? So the kids give advice and then they also try to make up their own stories to try and fool each other. Um, so we have the kids illustrations, which they then animate uh, in order to move around a little. The kids are commenting on the episode like they used to do. And then we just get some shots of the kids being silly and go- and goofing around. I don't know. I, I thought this was really cute. I, I And it reminded me of some of the older segments because eventually, like, you know, the Word From Us Kids segments would be like, we went on a ship or we went to yeah. a potato chip factory mm-hmm. or it, we ate a bunch of pizza. Of a- it became more of a magazine show, whereas yes. it originally was like, what do these crazy kids have to say about this episode of Arthur? I totally agree, Will. I think it's also because we haven't seen Word From Us Kids in a really long time, because a yeah, lot of the, uh, the uploads on YouTube don't have them. Even the official Arthur channel uploads don't have the Word From Us Kids segments. Um, and I think 
the you know, I really missed it. I think it's a great part of Arthur. Um, it, it, you know, breaks up the two episodes. It's a good variety. It's great. And it's, it's one of those, you know, kids say the darndest things style programs where there's always going to be some kids you um, find entertaining or say, so, miss, say a phrase or, yeah, or just yeah. being cute. Um, and because we were being so critical of the animation earlier. The sequences where they animate the kids' drawings look great. They look as good as ever, uh, if not better than when they used to do it back in the day. Um, so, yeah, that's that's a feather in their cap. Uh, good word from us kids segment. I wonder if that's because you can, like, enter, if you can, like, scan in a kid's drawing and then, like, make each individual part, like, its own element. And so I wonder if it's actually easier to move around with newer technology as opposed to when they would have been doing it in the 90s. I don't know. Um, great quote from this one kid here. His story is, every morning I turn into a gorilla. Yes, that was that was my favorite. Of, the kids are all coming up with lies that they would tell. <laughs> uh, and every morning I turn into a gorilla, it was also my favorite one. Which also happens to me, but in a much more spiritual sense. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, all the kids are like, it's it, they film it as if the episode itself has not been settled yet. So they say, good luck, LaDonna. And... I just, I really liked that. I liked that a lot. Also, the kids are just as critical of LaDonna as us. And in fact, yeah. the episode ends up being a little bit kinder to her than what the kids wanted. Like, the kids are like, she shouldn't have lied. She needs to apologize. <laughs> um, whereas the episode kind of lets her down a little bit easier. Well, right. And it's like, sometimes it can work out okay. Like, in her first appearance, Muffy was in the wrong. And granted, for some people, I'm sure that started her off on the wrong on the wrong foot, but Muffy has come around for us, so hopefully LaDonna can too. And now, back to Arthur! As soon as we're done with that, Arthur and Buster accept LaDonna back. Yeah. <laughs> Again, it feels like we're moving really, really quickly, and I even wrote down, geez, that was fast. Um, they're like staring at her from across the cafeteria. Muffy has a good line here. I opened my heart to that girl. I helped her accessorize. Uh, I will also note here uh, for lunch that day is meatloaf and LaDonna is absolutely smothering that meatloaf and ketchup. And if you have to do that to your meatloaf, it's not good meatloaf. I'm not saying don't eat meatloaf with ketchup, but if you're drowning it, like you, you rethink that meatloaf recipe is what I'm saying. The B, the B story here. So Arthur and Buster accept LaDonna back, but some of the other kids are not as, uh, Easy. Do not do that so easily. The B story here is Bud's trying to make friends with DW and Emily, but mostly DW. He's having trouble because he thinks DW doesn't like him, and they just kind of, uh, they're at odds with each other a lot of times. So, like, they try and play tea party together, but Bud doesn't want to pretend to drink tea. He wants to pretend to eat mac and cheese. Um, to which DW says, this is my teapot, and I don't want mac and cheese in it. We also see that Bud has his own imaginary friend. So we haven't seen Nadine yet, but we saw him earlier with a stuffed dinosaur named Rapti. And this is also his imaginary friend. He talks to him on the step outside DW's house. I it's it's like okay, we've seen kids we've seen kids DW's age have imaginary friends before. Why does he sound like a hair metal musician? He kind of sounds like the guy from <laughs> Limousine. He's just like, I'll tell you what you got to do, bud. Yeah. Like, he doesn't do yeah. The yeah, but he's just like, he's using that upper register of just like, it just kind of sounds like the Limousine guy from Homestar Runner. 
I am not a Rapti fan, Will. Oh, I no. Think that, no, not at all. I think that the voice is like a parody of like your friendly cartoon friend, like your, your imaginary friend in a cartoon. Right. I think the fact that he's just a dinosaur, you know, we've had, we, we, we've had Barney the dinosaur. We've had Dudley the dragon. We've had Reptar <laughs> in Rugrats. Yes. The, the imaginary dinosaur friend is a well-worn path in uh, animated shows at this point. And if you think about the other imaginary friends we've seen on Arthur, you know, Nadine, I think Nadine is such a creative character design because she doesn't look very different from the other kids, but she's kind of looks different enough that even if you didn't know anything about that character and I held up a picture of Nadine and a picture of DW to you, you'd be able to say that one's the magic one, right? Just, Just from little touches and the way she's dressed and the way her hair is. And then like there's some episodes where we see other people's imaginary friend. Remember Biggie's messed up? Or no, it was the Tibble. Who had the the worm guy? That that was the Tibbles. (laughs) The Tibbles imaginary friend is like one of the most insane things I've ever seen, (laughs) right? And so to go from that to it's a big green dinosaur who kind of just looks like Reptar. The more I'm looking at him, I'm frozen on him right now. I, I just think it's so lazy and uncreative. Not to call the writers lazy, but to me, I, it's just lame and it doesn't ring. It feels unlike what we've seen before on Arthur. I think that's what really kind of irks me about it is that this might fit in another show, but we've already have an established precedent for the quality of anim- uh, imaginary friends in Arthur, and I-, I just think this doesn't meet the mark. Well, we'll see if Rapti becomes part of like if they if I don't know if they're still gonna do the dog and baby episodes. Maybe Rapti will be part of the crew now. I guess we'll have to wait and see. But that's too bad. Even the name Rapti, it's yeah. so like lazy. Um, <laughs> uh, I was gonna say speaking of lazy, but I, I, I that's that's not what I mean. I was. Being being snide, um, we do get a shot here of Ladonna and Bud's mom. Uh, she is a classic Arthur stock character model that we've been seeing since like the first season. They just recolored her. So again, I wouldn't call that lazy, but I just did think it was funny of like, oh yeah, I've seen you in like crowd shots from the first season. So they've been holding on and just waiting for to give her something to do. Um, so Ladonna has this kind of series of lucky instances happened to her where her mom wants her to wear this old winter hat. Cause we're in the winter um, that has a bunch of holes in it. It's like worn down and stuff. So LaDonna, uh, her hat gets stolen by a raccoon in getting it stolen. She finds a gold watch belonging to someone named art Radley. I don't know if that's meant to be a, a reference or something. Um, and so they return. She returns the gold watch to his wife she gets like four quarters. I think she puts it in like a machine or something and gets like a bunch of quarters. And then she has enough money to buy a brand new version of her old winter hat. So she's trying to tell everybody about this wild story that happened to her, but nobody believes her. They just think that it's the same old hat, just with a hole patched up. Um, even even Buster doubts this at this point. Buster's not on her side anymore. He says, raccoons don't need hats. They have fur. Look who's talking, pal. <laughs> Again with the animal hierarchy. We're not bringing this up. They are. Like we're yeah, not cra- I, we're I, not crazy. They're crazy. I feel like this is the most uh regular animals we've seen in an Arthur episode in a very long time. Mm, that's true. Although I don't know if we've had any raccoon kids. So that just might be out of the whole like maybe raccoons were not chosen by the lord or something. Who knows. Um so Everybody is not on LaDonna's side anymore, except for Arthur. Arthur kind of doesn't really believe her, but isn't upset about it. Bud gets on DW's good side, so they are 
making a snowman. Um, DW asks Bud for the carrot, and he says that he ate it. I'm just like, what? You housed a whole carrot? This like, is what I'm talking about. It's like, okay, Bud's not, he's from Louisiana, not an alien planet. Like, he knows <laughs> what the carrot's for on a snowman. But Bud's, like, all indignant, like, I ate this, I ate the carrot. I, it looked good. It's like, Bud, <laughs> what is your problem, buddy? Like, <laughs> it's a, I mean, it's just like, yeah, yeah, I ate it. I'm kind of dumb. And I'm like, well, he yeah. is, he is, again, he is four. That's the same leniency we showed DW, so fair enough. But, yeah, but but DW would never do anything like that. That's the thing is like yeah. DW's DW's immaturity manifests as in a lack of emotional intelligence. Yes, not capital I intelligence. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a good, that's a good point. So they get interrupted by the Tibbles who start throwing snowballs and. Bud kind of steps to them. I like. I was like, is he gonna like throw hands right now? Like, I thought he was gonna be like, get out of here, or I'll f- you up, or something. Oh like, my god! Like, I thought he was gonna actually hit them, but no, he hits them with the Bud Compson power stare, which is just him standing still and staring at them. Which work? Which I suppose is like a Jedi mind trick that works on the feeble minded. It actually scares off the Tibbles. There's a like. The Tibbles start laughing at him, but then they like look at him and just like, why won't he like why won't he blink? And one of them says, I feel cold. <laughs> As if something's happening. So that scares them away. That impresses DW. It kind of backs her off from being bossy to him. She she like it's it's a bit on the nose of just like, Bud Compson, I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. I'm just like, ugh, okay. So back in the LaDonna story. Uh, she and Arthur eventually find the raccoon that stole her old hat. And because Arthur was there, that convinces the others that what LaDonna was saying is true. So that gets her back on everybody's good side pretty neatly. So the fact that Rapti appeared in the show means that LaDonna gets to wrap up the show. Although in the end, Arthur does it himself. He tries to do it. They cut to black. LaDonna comes back and just like, I, I don't remember what she says, but she does her own conclusion of the show. There's one There's one more funny line here. When um, when they're talking about getting the old hat back, LaDonna gives it to Francine because Francine says, actually, I kind of liked the old hat. And Muffy says, you would. <laughs> so a couple good Muffy lines here. And that's the end of the episode. That's like LaDonna takes us out, and that's the end of of based on a true story. So Lucas, everything that we said, all of our feelings about where Arthur is at this point in its history, the episode itself based on a true story, what did you think? I wasn't really a fan. I mm. think it was a lot at once with both with the new animation style and these new characters. Uh, it was a bit of a shock, like I said earlier. Uh, and I think that this is actually the first episode that was a two-parter that was probably done a disservice by being a two-parter. Because I think we just spent a lot of time with LaDonna and Bud, and not all of it is very substantive. Like, mm-hmm. a lot of the time spent with Bud is Bud basically refusing to yes and with the DW. <laughs> um, and a lot of the time spent with LaDonna is kind of redundant. Like, she has... A bunch of folksy stories and phrases, and then she lies about one of them. 
Um, the best part of the episode is kind of LaDonna's little adventure with the raccoon, and I liked, like, the crazy story that she recounts to the kids that they don't believe that actually happened, where it's like, yeah, I got the exact right amount of change to buy this hat again. Like, I like that whole part. Um, I don't know. This, I think, I think I'm in hater mode, Will. We'll see. I, I'm not saying I'm going to dislike every episode this season on principle, but even in a vacuum, I just don't think that this is a particularly good Arthur episode. I'll go a little bit better than you. I will say I thought it was okay. Um, I think that it's not a great introduction to a lot of things here. I think that we kind of got off a bit on the wrong foot with the new characters. And like we're, I, I think we could have really used like a classic Arthur episode. I don't know about debuting LaDonna and Bud here. Like I maybe would have held off for an episode or two. I kind of needed like a classic Arthur escapade um, for this one. So... I, I, I understand where you're coming from. I think I'm also going to be kind of fighting hater mode tendencies, but I'll tell you what did help me. Um, what helped me is that I was very excited to talk about this episode, not only because yes. we had a lot of history to get into, we had a lot of like changes to talk about, but there was so much stuff in here that's just like, all right, I got to know what Lucas thought of this, or like, I, I, like, I want to know where you were with it, or I wanted to know like like how this came off to you. So... I'm I what made me happy is so I mean I liked word from us kids uh I like the new intro obviously the episode itself I thought was okay I don't really have a lot to say about it other than uh geez I hope LaDonna and Bud get better material um but I am very heartened to know that going forward there's still going to be a lot to talk about and that's what that's what I was afraid I was afraid of that a little bit I thought that we would hit this first episode and we would really, like, hate it. I thought we were going to hate this so much. And I was, re- like, in, obviously, I think I was catastrophizing. But in my head, I was like, are we going to stop here? Like, if, if we if we watch this episode, huh. and not only is it, like, not good, it's not fun, then it's like, well, then what's the point anymore? But it was fun to watch because I was looking forward to talking about it. Not, I wasn't looking forward to, like, just dogging on it. But I wanted to discuss it. I wanted to talk about it. And that's, like, I've been kind of excited all day to really kick this off. And I hope that that continues as we keep watching Arthur. I think both of us will remain as open to it as we can. And what's going to be really important from here is to hear from everybody listening. Um, Of course, that goes for, we didn't have any this episode, but ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com if you want to talk about Arthur's move to Flash. If if you want to talk about any part of new Arthur, if you want to give your thoughts, um... And social media and all that kind of stuff. And on Discord for the patrons. We just really love to hear what you have to say and where you are with this too. Because I'm sure we're not the only people who feel the way that we do about the animation and the changes. But I also bet that there's some of you out there who actually really like this period of Arthur. And I want to know about that too. I want to know what you like about LaDonna or Bud or the animation or just stuff that's to come. Like maybe exciting episodes to look forward to. I mean... Yeah, I'm just really pleased that there's still ga- there's like there's still gas left in the tank. It's not as soon as Arthur like as soon as Arthur went to Flash animation, that's it. It got bad. It ju- it jumped the shark. And I'm like, eh, maybe in one sense, but it's I still think that there's quite a bit working for it that I'm looking forward to the show being still good. So, um yeah, I remain I remain positive I remain optimistic and open to it as I think you do as well, Lucas, even if this episode wasn't that great. 
Oh, that was a big one. All right. Um, thank you so much for sticking with us into the flash years of Arthur here on Elwood City Limits. Uh, real quick, I will say that over on patreon.com slash Elwood City Limits, of course, you get this episode a week early and all the bonus episodes coming up later in February. We're going to be returning to For the Kids, a PBS Kids podcast. And patrons, we want to know what PBS Kids shows do you want us to watch? Over on Patreon, I have put up a uh, like kind of a suggestion box. So what I want you to do is go over there and just let us know what shows should we be watching. I, you know, originally when we started that PBS Kids podcast, it was like, well, we'll just do all of them. And then in kind of making a list of all the PBS Kids shows, it was like, ugh, some of these, mm, no bueno. So it's time to hear from you about what you want us to cover on the PBS Kids podcast. That will be Patreon exclusive. Otherwise, on the next episode of Elwood City Limits, we're going to be talking about Flippity Francine and Muffy Takes the Wheel. So Francine and Muffy episodes right up front as we continue on in this genuine new era of Arthur. I think this is this is the biggest this is the biggest shift there's ever been in the show. So yeah, we're we're just we're we're gonna keep we're gonna keep doing it. And I don't know about you, Lucas, but I am looking forward to see what we can see. To panning for gold amidst this uh this new format. Yeah, I'm excited what to see what the future holds. Lots to talk about, as you can see by the episode leg. <laughs> and on that note, let's get on out of here. For Elwood City Limits, I'm Will Young, and for Lucas Mancini. You had a carnivorous reptile in your house? We'll see you next time. <laughs> okay, Will, well, I'm now going to say that you are never allowed to do that ever again. <laughs> okay, Me- message received. I got it. I got it all out of my system. So uh, I'll treat Bud with a little bit more dignity from now on. Bye, bye, everybody. Bye. <laughs>